Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good morning, church. How we doing? Thank you, whoever got me this water. Ooh, and it's a cold water, too. Man, see, I like it when PJ, I, I don't not like it when PJ's not here, but I get his waters every day. Every Sunday, he gets a water, and now I get one, so I like that. But I hope you guys are excited. I hope you guys are ready for church today. If you don't know me, like Jasmine said, my name is Charlie. I am our generation's pastor here, and uh, I'm just excited to be back with you guys and speaking to you. And more importantly, I'm excited because if you know, and you maybe follow me on social media or whatnot, but I'm a huge sports fan, and yesterday, Tampa Bay won their very first playoff game since like 2002. I was two years old. I was in second grade in 2002. So it's been a long time coming from us in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And none of you guys here are Tampa Bay fans. You're like, Charlie, get on with this. I don't really care. But I want to brag because I have the mic today and I just want to shout that out. Um, But again, I'm excited to be here. Uh, Last week we had our youth takeover and uh, we went into this concept and this idea of I declare war. And every one of you guys that were here should have gotten one of these declarations of war where you're able to fill it out, be able to sign it, saying that you are going to war against that version of yourself that you were tired of being. And if you didn't get one and you want one, find me after service. We have a few more in the office. Or if you're on Facebook, head over to our New Beginnings um, Community Church Facebook page, and it'll be on there. And when I got the call to say, hey, you're going to be speaking again this Sunday, I was excited. And I started thinking to myself, what am I going to talk about? And uh, our operations pastor was like, just preach a message that you've preached before, and like, that'll work. And I was like, okay. And I'm starting to go through all these, and I'm like, man, I just feel like none of that's really speaking to me right now. None of that is what I feel like we need to hear today. And so it was Thursday morning. I was in my house, in our apartment, and I started writing out a new message because I thought to myself, and I felt like God was leading us into continuing the topic that we talked about last week of I Declare War. And you see, today, I want to talk about some certain tactics, some certain uh, um, plays that we can run ourselves in the middle of our wars. Because the war didn't, the war started last week. We declared war last week, but it also did not end last week. The war continues. The war is going to continue really probably for the rest of our lives, depending on what it is that we are declaring war on. So today, if you're taking notes, I want you to title today's message, The War Continues. The War Continues continues. And as you write that down, I want to ask you this question. Is anybody here like me, and you can find yourself on like the YouTube or the Facebook rabbit hole? And what a YouTube and Facebook rabbit hole is, is where you look up one video. For instance, I like to look up cooking videos. And so I said, how to, how to cook a chicken. And then about two and a half hours later down the road, you are now watching a video on how to build a house in 90 days. Anyone ever like done that before? Like it, it's so common to be able to get into a rabbit hole like that. But I asked that question because I, I remember one night when I was doing that, I came across this video on Facebook of this couple called, uh, named Larry and Chrissy Waiters. And this couple is a couple that loves to go ice fishing. Anyone here ever been to, gone ice fishing? I know we live in Southern California, so there's like no ice around here unless you go to Big Bear, but that doesn't even freeze over. Uh, a friend of mine, he came back. I forgot where he was from, but he was like, man, we went ice fishing. It was such an amazing time. And the first off, I was like, one, I don't even like fishing. To me, fishing's boring. Um, if you like fishing, that's okay. You have a lot more patience than I do. And as he was sitting there explaining all this stuff, I asked him the question. I was like, but isn't it like cold? 
And he was like, yeah, it, it can kind of get cold, but once you get in the hut that you're in, we put the heater on. And I was like, the heater? He's like, yeah, the heater. And I'm like, you're on a bed of ice. Like, there's water underneath you. He's like, yeah, but it doesn't melt. And I was like, man, that's why people doing ice fishing just aren't really that smart. Um, I'm playing. <laughs> but he goes in and kind of explains all that. But as I was watching this video on ice fishing, he, this, this couple, Larry and Chrissy, they said they were going to go ice fishing. So they loaded up their ATV, and they put all their fishing equipment on, and they got on, and they started riding across the ice. And as they're riding on the ice, they were seeing trucks pass by them, so they knew the ice was thick enough for them to be able to ride on. But there were certain moments on that ice where the ice was a little bit th um, thinner than others. And it comes to a point where they run into some of the thin ice and they crash down into the water. The, the ice oh, cracks open, the water, or their ATV falls down into the water, and they go down with it. Now this is freezing cold water. And as they're there and they're going through all of this, everything they have is now sunk to the floor. And they're trying to get themselves up out of the water. And every time they tried to get themselves out of the water, they would reach out and their hands would slip because the ice was super slippery. And it says in the video that I was watching that they were doing this for about 25 minutes. 25 minutes in freezing cold water. Now, I don't know about you, but we live in Southern California, so we don't really experience winters. So that is some cold water. And it said in that moment that they started getting delusional. They felt helpless. They didn't know if they were going to be able to get out of that water. And as I was reading and I was watching that story, it made me think of us when we are declaring war on certain moments and certain versions of ourselves. How sometimes when we are in the middle of a war, when we are in the middle of a battle, we can feel helpless. We can feel confused, we can feel delusional, and we can feel like there's no way we're going to get out of this war. And today my hope is that just like we talked about last week as we declared war, my hope today is we can take some three practical tips on how to continue this war, how we can continue to fight. So again, if you're taking notes, the title of the message is The War Continues. Now, do you guys want to know what happens to Larry and Chrissy? No? Okay, cool. We can pray and we can close this whole night out. I'll tell you at the end of the message what happens with Larry and Chrissy. So you're going to have to follow along and pay attention with me. See, I hooked you guys in, so now you guys have to listen to me. Um, so let's pray and we'll get on with the rest of the message. God, we are grateful for who you are and what you're doing in this place today. God, watch over us, protect us. God, I pray right now that you use this message, you use this word that you've given me to minister to everybody here, including myself. God, speak through me. Let your Holy Spirit guide our conversation today. God, we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. We all said amen, amen. So I got three points for you. The very first point I want you to write down is raise your voice. Raise your voice. Now, when you hear raise your voice, what's the first thing you guys think of? Yeah, yeah. My, the first thing I think of is my dad. Because as a kid growing up, yeah, some of the dads in here already know where this is going. When I was a kid growing up, I was a little brat. And I would go up and I would like raise my voice at my dad. My dad would be like, Charlie, you better not raise your voice at me, boy. And like he would instill the fear of God in my life in that moment. Like I knew like if I did it again, it would not be pretty. And that's what I think of. But I also think of when it comes to raise your voice, I also think of like battle cries. A war cry, like a warrior right before battle, yelling out, yelling this loud sound or whatever it is that they're saying right before they enter into war. And when I think of battle cries and war cries, I think of this moment when I was a freshman in high school. See, I was a freshman in high school. I went to a school in Riverside called Ramona High, and I was on the football team all four years. But my very first year of my freshman year is my first year of ever playing tackle football. 
And our coaches during the summer was like, we're gonna go and we're gonna weight train and we're gonna do all these things. And I was like, all right, sweet. So we're walking to the weight room on one um, super hot uh, summer morning and we're walking to the weight room and I'm hearing some like words and yelling coming from the weight room. And I was like, is there a demon in there? Like what's going on right now? As we get closer, I start realizing it's not the music. It's not the weights like clanging together. But what it was, was humans. And I walk into the weight room as this 13-year-old freshman in the middle of my summary, and I see these grown men in there working out. When I say grown men, these guys look like they were 25 full beards, but they were apparently 17 and 18, and I was like, you guys must be on something. There's no way you are, you are 17. I'm, I'm 26 now. I still can't grow a beard. But I walk in there, and they're in there, and they're yelling at each other, like slapping each other in the face. And I was like, this, what in the world? Maybe my coach was right. Maybe I'm not cut out for football. I'll go do underwater basket weaving, like he always says. And as I'm sitting there watching them do this, I was like, this is just weird. And after a few weeks of me watching them do that, I finally built up enough courage as this 13-year-old kid to go up and ask them. I was like, sir, why are you guys yelling? Why are you guys, like, slapping each other? And he's like, it's a war cry. And I was like, when did you just get this deep voice? But he's like, it's our war cry. It's what we get, we, we get ready for battle. I was like, what are you fighting, the bar? He was like, yeah, we're going to lift this weight, and it's pumping us up right now. And I was like, this is just weird. But the more and more I watched them, the more and more I started seeing how it was somewhat beneficial to them. And as I watched them more and more, I started adapt, uh, uh, adopting the same things they were doing. So as this 13-year-old kid, I'm walking into the weight room, and I'm kind of pumping myself up, like yelling at myself. The only funny part was I hadn't hit puberty yet, so it's just like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> and I remember doing that, but I, I adapted to what they were saying, and I started doing those things because it started to make more and more sense, this war cry, this battle cry that we had right before the workout. And you see, that same concept and that same idea of a battle cry and a war cry is what you as a follower of Jesus and myself as a follower of Jesus, we have. We have our own war cry. We have our own battle cry. We have a moment where we get to raise our voice, and what that is is worship. Our battle cry, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Our battle cry, our war cry is worship. Through the middle of our battles, through the middle of our wars, God has given us this tool. God has given us this ability to be able to worship be able to worship his name in the middle of our wars at the beginning of our wars and at the end of our wars we get to worship who he is you see worship when it comes to the midst of our battles helps us get through it i can pinpoint certain moments like when right i was right here on my hands and my knees when i think it was like 2013 when I got the news that my buddy had passed away from high school and i was sitting there worshiping god in the middle of my battle now, I can point, pinpoint some other moments in my life here in this sanctuary where I worshiped God in the beginning, in the middle, and at the end of my battles. Now, I could come up here and just share how, why it's important to worship through my lenses, but I don't want to do that. You say, instead, I want to pinpoint a verse in the Bible out of Matthew chapter 26 that I want to read to you real quick. Matthew chapter 26, verse 30 says this. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the mountain of Olives. I'm going to say that again. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mountain of Olives. Now, what's happening right now in Matthew 26 is this is towards the end of the Last Supper with the disciples and Jesus. 
And it shows us that they are all singing a hymn, including Jesus. And what I find so interesting about that verse is not so much what's happening in the middle of it, but what happens afterwards. Because right after that moment where Jesus goes, as he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he has probably the most difficult battle of his life eternally. And then from that moment on, he goes and he is later crucified on a cross. And yet we see in Matthew 26, Jesus worshiping with his disciples right before the toughest battle of his life. Right before the biggest war he's going to face here on earth, we see Jesus worshiping. And as followers of Jesus and believers in Jesus, our call is to be more and more like him. And if we see Jesus in the posture of worship right before the toughest battle of his life, we should be doing the same exact thing. And I know you're here, some of us are here today maybe watching online and we're like, I I really don't like worship. Like, I don't want to come in here and raise my hands. Like, maybe you didn't put enough deodorant on today. I don't know. But we might struggle with the idea of worship. My struggle with the idea of giving all we have and raising our voice to Jesus. And I get it, because I was there. I remember the first few times I walked into a church service, and there was, there was like worship, and I hated when they did three songs of worship. Because I'd always prepare myself for that second song, I'm like, sweet, I can sit down, drink my coffee, and eat my donut. And they go into a third song, I'm like, oh. And I know some of us here today are thinking that same thing. We did three, we did three songs today. Hey, exactly, amen. But I get it. It might be uncomfortable. But you see, the thing that I love so much is just like how it was uncomfortable that first time I walked into that weight room hearing those guys yell, the more and more I saw it, the more and more I started to understand and see the benefit from it. And so the more and more I started doing it. And you see, church, if you're here today and you kind of are struggling with the concept of worship and raising our voice to God, Let me just encourage you with this. I was in your same shoes. But the more and more I got myself around it, and the more and more I started seeing more and more people do it, I started to see the benefit that comes from it. I started to see the hope and the the grace and the love and the mercy that was rained down on us in the midst of our worship. You see, church, we can't keep looking at worship as a buffer zone. You see, I I like to look at, I I don't like to look at it, but I see sometimes how we can look at worship as a buffer zone. And what I mean by that is this. Here at New Beginnings, we have two services. We have one at 9 o'clock, and we have one at 10.30. And we know that we have a buffer period before Pastor Jim or any pastor comes up to speak. The buffer zone is when worship would enter. We have about 15 to 20 minutes of worship and announcements, and we know we need to be in by that time to be able to listen to Pastor Jim or any of the other pastors speak. We know we can drop our kids off at kids' ministry. We know we can run over and get our coffee at Blend and make it back in time. But church, we can't look at worship as a buffer zone because look, we understand that Pastor Jim and the the pastors, their messages are important. But the thing is this, worship is just as equally as important as those messages we hear. Those moments, yeah, you can clap it up because it's true. Those moments in worship are those moments where the Holy Spirit leads through us. Those moments where the Holy Spirit will drop those thoughts into your minds. I remember those those moments where I was in the midst of my battles and the moments that Jesus would speak to me the most was through worship. We got to make it essential. We got to make it a huge thing, a big deal. We can't look at it as the, the second thing to do. Instead, it's the first thing we do. That's why we open up every single Sunday morning with worship. That's why kids ministry has worship. That's why youth ministry has worship because it is important and it is vital 
to our walk, to the walk that we have with Jesus. And you see, I, I want to share one last thought with you, and it's Psalms chapter fi- uh, 115. Psalms 115. If you're taking notes, you can write it down or you can flip to it. But Psalms 115 says this. Let me just read it for you. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but your name goes all the glory and your unfailing love and faithfulness. Why let the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven, is in the heavens, and he does as he wishes. Their idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak and eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear and noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel and feet but cannot walk and throats but cannot make a sound. Verse 8. And those who make idols are just like them as are all who trust in them. I love this portion of scripture because what it shows us, what it teaches us is what we worship, what we put first at the center of our lives, we will act more and more like. When these people were worshiping their idols, they became more and more like their idols. And if that's the case for idols, what would it look like for your life and my life if we fully surrendered to Jesus and fully worshiped Jesus? What would end up happening is we would act more and more like Jesus. Again, what we worship will consume us. What we worship, we will act more and more like. And I want to hold on to that idea and jump into the second point. Because the second point is this. What What you consume will consume you. What you consume will consume you. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to read the story. My Genesis is ripped out of my Bible, so don't judge me. (laughs) Trying to find it. There it is. But in Genesis chapter 3, starting off in verse 1, we're going to read a story of Adam and Eve and really the fall of humankind when sin had entered into the world and everything else evil followed behind it. I'm going to read it for us right now. Genesis chapter 1, or chapter 3, verse 1 says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Verse 2, Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. So she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. When after the few years that I've been a Christian, the more and more I study Genesis chapter 3, I've always looked at the heart and the root issue is Adam and Eve taking and partaking in the fruit and eating the fruit. And even though that's a big deal and that's how sin had entered into the world by their own decisions, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we overlook that Eve did was in verse 2. See, in verse 1, we have the serpent speaking to Eve. And in verse 2, we have Eve responding to the serpent. In verse 2, we see that what the serpent had to say, Eve consumed. What the serpent had to say, Eve took in and made it a part of her life. You see, church, I think as, as 2020 came, comes to an end and 2021 begins, we need to watch out with who we're listening to. 
need to watch out with what we're consuming. Because if you don't watch out, what can end up happening is we can be just like Adam and Eve and falling really flat on our face if we consume the wrong stuff. And in 2020, I feel like every single news media, every single outlet that we have to get any information was filled with so much negativity and so much hurt and so much pain. And I don't want this message for you to think that I'm up here telling you you can't watch the news. No, I'm not saying you can't watch the news, but what I am saying is watch how much news you do watch. Because I remember when I was watching the news, and I don't watch the news, I'm 26, millennials, we don't watch the news apparently. <laughs> but when I did watch the news last year, I just remember like, like feeling disgusting to see everything that was happening. I was being consumed with so much negativity. And when I was starting to write this thought out and this point out, I wanted to know, I was like, how much media does the average person take in on a day? And thank God for the internet. I was able to look that up. As I'm up here saying, don't consume what the media has to say. But it said there was an average study that the average human takes in about seven and a half hours of media a day. Seven and a half hours. And again, I'm part of the problem. I can't leave my phone at home without having a heart attack. So I get it. But seven and a half hours, and as I read that, I thought to myself, how much media do that we consume? How much of that is positive, and how much of that is negative? How much of that is actually controlling who we are, controlling our emotions, controlling the way we talk and the way we act? You see, I'm a very visual person, and so I, what I want to do right now is I, I want to bring some friends out with me real quick. And I just want to kind of paint the picture a little bit more on what it looks like when we allow media, when we allow different outlets to consume us. Yeah, my backpack. Thanks, bro. You're the best. This is my backpack. <laughs> Someone said, Wow. My backpack, this is the backpack that I use when I go backpacking with like Pastor Jim and some of the other guys here at the church. I love my backpack, but the story's not about my backpack. I just wanted to highlight it because it was very expensive. <laughs> but I use this because there's different ways that we can hook things onto it. And you see, every one of my friends back here, they're going to represent a certain media outlet, a certain way we get some information. Good friend Robert right here. Everyone knows who Robert is. Yes. Robert today is going to represent Instagram. Every one of us in here probably has an Instagram or know somebody that has an Instagram. Instagram is one of the biggest social media platforms on the world. We use it to get a lot of our information, and we use it to post a lot of pictures about what we eat. <laughs> Mary behind me, our awesome worship leader, she's going to be representing Facebook. Yeah, you can give it up for Mary. She's awesome too. Facebook, I feel like, has just become a battleground. A complete battleground. It makes me not even want to have a Facebook, but I know I need a Facebook in a way to be able to reach out to certain family members and to reach out to certain friends. But Facebook, we get all this information and we are fed with so many, if I can be honest, so many lies at times. But we allow it to consume us. We allow it to control who we are at times. Juliet today, she's going to be representing our news outlets. Yeah, you can give it up for her. She did an amazing job today. Our news outlets, and now you're you, you probably thinking right now, I don't watch news. The only thing I watch is Fox, Fox Sport, or Fox, uh, Fox News. That's the way a Christian should be listening to. Yeah, I get that, but it's also filled with lies too. And maybe you're like, I just listen to CNN. That's also filled with lies as well. But we sit there and we consume what it has to say. We sit there and we allow it to control us and allow it to dictate how we act. 
And then David, yeah, David did an amazing job. He's just a senior in high school. Yeah. David today is going to represent YouTube. You just kind of chuckle, but YouTube has become one of the biggest search engines in the world. Instead of going to Google, people go to YouTube now to look up what it is that they want to know. And when you look behind me and we allow all these things to kind of clip on and to start consuming us and consuming who we are, we have this kind of push and pull effect where they start tugging on us and start pushing us in different directions. And we're fighting back and forth with what it is that we are trying to consume and trying not to consume. But if we just give it the time of day, when we just throw the news on for background noise, when we just go on Instagram right before bed, what ends up happening is we start acting more and more like what we see on the news. We start acting more and more like the people on Instagram because we want to live a life like them. And we're consuming all this negativity and we're consuming all these things that ends up dictating our emotions. You ever been on social media or any kind of platform like that and you left feeling horrible? You left feeling worse than you did before. That's what happens when we allow these things to clip onto our lives. It starts pushing us and pulling us in certain directions where really the only place and the only source of income, the only source of, of, of things that we should allow to consume us is what the Word of God says. That's the only thing that should be dictating our lives. It's not the Kardashians. It's not what else is on the news. It's not about what the politicians are saying. The only thing that should control our lives is what the Word of God says and what is being said in that book. It's not about this. You see, if we don't drop the backpack, if we don't unhook from those social media platforms, when those issues arise... And those moments come up and we're in the middle of our battles and we're trying to figure out how we're going to get through that, we will look to what the world has to offer. And when we look at what the world has to offer, it's not going to help us long term. It'll tell us to turn to alcohol, it'll tell us to turn to drugs, it'll tell us to turn to all these different things that's only going to numb the pain instead of get rid of the pain. You see, the way we get rid of the pain is by what the Word of God says about Jesus. And if we don't take this backpack off in time, we're going to be so far away from this book, so far away from the living, breathing word of God, that is, we're going to be, we're going to, it's going to feel like there's no hope of coming back. So we need to, again, watch what we consume, because if we don't, it'll consume us. Thank you, guys. You guys can give it up for them real quick. So when it comes to these wars, if we really want this battle to continue, we need to raise our voices to Jesus, shout that battle cry, and watch what we consume. And the last one, and my last thought, and the band's going to come up, and I, wanted, I asked them to close us out in worship, is don't stop. Don't stop. Does anyone know what this is? It is a knockoff Leatherman because Leatherman are expensive. But this is what you would call a multi-tool. You would call this a Leatherman tool. You have screwdrivers, you have a pair of pliers, you have a knife. Has anyone ever heard of the story of Tim Leatherman and when it comes to creating these? Cool, good, I'll share it with you. See, Tim Leatherman, I believe, I can't remember the exact date, but he was on a cross-country road trip with his wife. And he had an old beat-up Fiat 600. And he would always carry a bag of tools, and he would always carry a knife in that bag of tools because the car would always break down. And he thought to himself when he was on this journey, when he was on this trip, man, somebody 
should make a pair of pliers with tools in it and a knife. And he thought to himself, nobody's done that. I'm going to do that. And once he got done with that cross-country road trip, he headed home, and he started working on this patent, started working on this tool. It took him two and a half years, actually three and a half years, I'm sorry, to figure out how to put a pair of pliers with some knives and some tools together. And it said in his story that there's been multiple times where he just felt like giving up, multiple times where he felt like this is not going to work. It said on his birthday he was in his garage crying because he could, could not figure out how to make it work. And luckily, he didn't ever gave up. He continued going until he figured out how to actually make this functional. And the fun fact is this. Before they were called Leatherman Tools, they were also they were called Mr. Crunches. Thank God they did not keep Mr. Crunch. And he got the patent. He finally figured it all out, got the patent. You would think the rest is history. But the thing is this. He did not sell a single Leatherman for another three and a half years. He would go hardware store to hardware store, company to company, saying, do you want to buy this tool? Do you, want, do you want to put this in your stores? And everyone told him no. Everyone denied him. The tool companies would say it's too much of a knife to be a tool, and the knife company would say it's too much of a tool to be a knife. Until one day his friend came to him as the brink of giving up. His friend came to him and said, hey, let's go to this little store called Cabela's. They went to Cabela's, and Cabela said, hey, we'll take a shot. We'll take a chance. They bought 500 of them. That's $12,000 they got a check for, and as the saying goes, the rest is history. Over 30 models made later, and 400 employees under the Leatherman name, and the multi-tool that we know today all started through trial and error, through heartache, through the battle of trying to figure out how to make it happen. And you see, church, I, I wanted to share that story with you about Tim Leatherman and the Leatherman tools because I feel like some of us right now, we feel like Tim in those, that seven-year gap. where We felt like we've been in war for a very long time and we just feel like giving up. Maybe even from last week. Last week we declared war on that version of ourselves and we're already feeling like this is pointless. I just want to encourage you today, don't stop. We can't stop. There is promises and blessings on the other side of this fight. And when I say fight, as you guys know, fights, they're not pretty. These wars are not pretty. Battles are not easy. There's never been such a thing as an easy battle. It's going to take effort. It's going to take time. But the thing is this, we can't stop because God has a purpose and God has a plan for your life after this battle, even in the middle of that battle. We can't stop. Because you see, God wants to use what you are going through today to minister to others, maybe later down the road, maybe our family member, our kids. He wants to use that. And you see, I almost forgot about Larry and Chrissy. You see, Larry and Chrissy, when they were in that water, sitting there for 25 minutes, freezing cold now, Larry, it says in the story that Larry would, was going over to kiss his wife, essentially goodbye, because they felt like there was no way they were going to be able to get out of it without dying. And as he kisses his wife goodbye, he had his hands in his pocket for some reason. And in that pocket, he pulled out a Leatherman. And as he had that Leatherman, he flipped it over to where the pliers would be, and he took the Leatherman and he dug it straight into the ice, 
And he was able to pull himself up out of the water and then pivots around and then pulls his wife out of the water. And what I find so interesting about that is this, is that seven-year gap, that seven-year period where Tim Leatherman was in his garage trying to figure this out, he didn't have Larry and Chrissy on his mind. He was just trying to get through that moment of his life. But the beautiful part is in that struggle, in that battle, as Tim got through all of that hurt, all of that pain of trial and error, it eventually led on to save somebody's life. And I'm coming up here today to encourage you in the middle of our battle, don't give up because you don't know whose life you're going to save through your story. There's going to be moments that... There's going to be those moments, church. We've all had them. But we can't give up. Because you see, when we give up, what ends up happening is we fall right into the trap of the enemy. The enemy doesn't want to see us succeed. The enemy doesn't want to see us flourish. But the God that we worship, he does. See, I want to close with this last thought. Obviously, last, last Sunday, we had a youth takeover, and I had the opportunity to speak. On Monday... I got an email from one of our church members. I don't know how they got my email, but I'm glad they did. And I got an email from them, and they, were, and they were saying how they're struggling, and I got the okay to share this. But they were saying that how they were struggling. And what was so vivid about the email and that I love so much about it was they said that they felt like 2015 Charlie, but in 2021. They were going through the same struggles that I went through today. And I kind of got filled with joy because one, that just meant they were paying attention, but two, they knew they had somebody in their corner. They knew they had somebody they can reach out to in the midst of their trial and in the midst of their pain that has already gone through it. And you see, church, if I would have given up in 2015 and I would have just walked away from the church and I wouldn't have been here last Sunday, they wouldn't have had somebody to talk to. They wouldn't have had somebody to be able to pour into their lives and show them the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And you see, church, I don't want us to sit up and think to ourselves, man, what if I actually went through that battle? What if I didn't just give up? Instead of thinking of what if, let's do it. Because you see, church, and let me encourage you with this, and this is the last thought. As followers of Jesus, as being in a relationship with him, we fight from victory, not for victory. Pastor Jim says it all the time. Jesus, the Lord, our Savior, the one we're about to worship right now, is in our corner, is fighting with us. He's already won the battle. We just got to keep putting one step ahead of another. Let's keep fighting. The war continues. It didn't just stop, but it continues. Now let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for all the, all the blessings all of the gratefulness that you pour out in our lives. Jesus, my prayer right now is for us sitting in this room today, we might feel like we're giving up, but God, I pray right now, your Holy Spirit gives them that nudge to say, keep going, keep fighting, live to fight another day. The battle's gonna be hard. Those moments are not gonna be the best, but Jesus, keep on going. Jesus, I pray right now for anyone in this room today that does feel like giving up. Continue to move in their life. Jesus, I pray right now for anybody that's here today that feels like they can't keep going on. Jesus, I pray right now 
they raise their voice to you today. Jesus, I pray right now that they watch what they consume and they consume what's actually good for them instead of what the world has to offer us. And Jesus, we just continue to not stop. And I I specifically just want to pray for you here today. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we want to give you the opportunity to enter into a relationship with him. You've heard us talk about Jesus. You've heard us talk about all these different things. And you're saying, I want the part of that. I want somebody in my corner in the middle of my battles. I want somebody in my corner in the middle of my wars. Well, today's your day, church. So if you're here today with everyone's heads bowed, everyone's eyes closed, and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior and be able to fight from victory and not for victory, I just want you to raise your hand when I count to three. Nobody's going to be looking. One, this is a moment between you and God. Two, this is you reaching out saying, Jesus, I want you in my life. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord, and I accept you as my Savior. Three, if that's you right now, I just want you to raise your hand in the place today. Thank you, Jesus. 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 You guys can go ahead and put your hands up. Father God, you saw every hand raised in this room today. Jesus, I pray right now that they understand that this is the greatest decision they will ever make in their life. That, Jesus, they are having somebody in their corner through the good times and through the bad times. Jesus, I pray right now that as they walk out of here, they will reach out and they will talk to somebody. Jesus, I pray right now as we get ready to leave after the song of worship, they'll go to the prayer partners and be able to get their first Bible. But Jesus, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will guide in their lives, that their Holy Spirit will enter into their heart and move like never before. So Jesus, we are so grateful for you. Jesus, thank you for all that you are doing. And Jesus, I pray that the war is going to continue and we are not going to stop no matter what the plans of the enemies has. But instead, we have the victor on our side, and that is you. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco. Or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.